Hello everyone, welcome to yet another episode of Azure On Air. Today we have an interesting guest, Kent Weir. He is a principal product manager at Microsoft. He is also an experienced leader who possesses strong technical skills and he is very passionate about architecture with a specialty in integration. I am very happy to have Kent today in our show. Hello Kent. Hello, thank you for having me. Looking forward to our chat. Thank you. Thank you for uh, accepting our invite. And yeah, Kent, let us uh, tell the audience a bit more about you, what you are doing and uh, how do you land up in this field? Sure. No, sounds good. Uh, so I've been I've been in the integration space for, for most of my career. Mm. It goes back to, well, I'm going to date myself a little bit here, but uh, it goes back to BizTalk 2004. I started working with BizTalk in 2004 on BizTalk 2004. At the time, I was working for the Canadian federal government uh, out in Hull, Quebec, and had this opportunity to learn the technology. And it actually uh, has been quite, quite played a quite a big role in my career overall. It's created a lot of opportunities for me, and and as a result, I've had a chance to kind of work in in many different places. Um, had the opportunity to move to Calgary. Uh, where I currently reside and uh, start working with BizTalk in the energy space. Uh, I did a little bit of healthcare work with BizTalk out in, in British Columbia in Canada and uh, really had you know created a lot of opportunities for me. Uh, back in probably 2015, you know, I was heavily involved in the integration MVP community, the BizTalk MVP community. And, you know, there was this shift to cloud that was going on. And it was one of those things where, you know, as, as an operations manager for, you know, integrations in the energy sector, it was starting to become a little bit cumbersome, sort of managing all of this infrastructure. And at that point, I started to, to focus more on cloud and, and where things were headed as opposed to where things were. Started to explore logic apps and Azure API management and service bus and, and uh, was able to actually um, create some customer stories on, on the Microsoft website based on real world stuff that we were doing. And so this really sort of created this, uh, this pull to me to the cloud was really more focused on how do I solve business problems as opposed to like the underlying plumbing per se. And uh, so from there, I, I started to get more involved in, in the cloud side of things. I did spend some time with Power Platform and trying to democratize who can go ahead and, and build out solutions, whether that's through automation or, or through Power Apps. Uh, at Microsoft, I, I spent a few years in the, the PowerCat team. It's the customer advisory team focused on RPA, so robotic process automation. Mm -hmm. uh, I spent a little bit of time on the product team, uh, which was Microsoft Flow at that point. Uh, now it's called Power Automate. And then this past March, I had the opportunity to join the Logic Apps team as a, as a product manager. And it really was Amazing. a a great opportunity and an opportunity to come back more to this space of integration. And, uh, and yeah, that's, that's kind of how I got here. That's, that's, that's how I got here. That's a long run, I guess. Yeah. So, uh, having the, uh, having spoken sure, about, sure, yeah. Yeah. Uh, so having spoke about the Bistock and through the journey to Azure, that you had so uh, you might have faced a lot of uh, customers on your way right so during be it during migration or uh, be it during uh, just in the stock or just in cloud so uh, while you face the migration stage so what are the challenges that you feel that the customers face today during the migration 
Yeah, that's a, that's a great question. So when I joined the, the Logic Apps team here in March, uh, part of my charter was to, to take a look at the BizTalk migration to Azure integration services. So since March, I've spent a lot of time in this space and, and talked to a lot of consultants, a lot of customers, a lot of partners about what they're looking for from Microsoft in order to help customers make this transition from BizTalk to Azure integration services. And so we've conducted a, a series of surveys. Uh, we've had a lot of interviews and uh, also just sessions, whether that be with MVPs and uh, with uh, the Partner Advisory Council as well. And, and what we're seeing is that there's a big gap. I would call it a, a big sort of a knowledge gap between BizTalk and Azure integration services. And, and what I mean by that is, you know, people are, are very... Uh, familiar with BizTalk. And it's pretty amazing just to see how much people do with BizTalk and how far they've taken it. And then we think about Azure Integration Services, and we know that the underlying platform is is different. And I don't think that's a bad thing, right? Like we have, mm-hmm. you know, things to think about when we get to cloud really around scalability and, and how do we support customers in like multiple regions and multiple geographies and how do we go ahead and address that? And so what we're in general seeing is like there's a a gap when it comes to architectural guidance. So almost like reference architecture saying like, I have this application in BizTalk, it looks like this. And maybe it's PubSub, right? So maybe we're doing the traditional things of having like inbound port mapping, creating a canonical message, publishing it to a message box, then having subscribers on that specific message type, whether that's orchestrations or whether that's send ports. And now how do we go ahead and do this in the cloud, right? So mm-hmm. there is no message box in, in Azure integration services. Now, we do have Service Bus, and Service Bus is part of the Azure integration services offering itself that gives you PubSub capability. So it's super important when you think about these migration scenarios. It's, it's not necessarily, well, like, what is this feature? It's more about capabilities. And when you yes. think about this stuff, is it capable of doing it? Because it will be different. Like you're not going to see PubSub and Logic Apps, right? We have Service Bus that can go ahead and do that. So I think that's, I would call it number one. And then if I go through just maybe a couple more here, um, people are looking for migration tooling uh, that aid in moving assets from BizTalk to Azure. Now we do have a tool today and uh, some people have checked it out. and And it's one of those things where as we think more about it, you know, we are rethinking what's the best way to use this tool um, because mm-hmm. there are some realities when moving these workloads. Like I said, it's not just this like for like. There is some element of like re-architecture in terms of how you would go about doing it. So trying to automate every single scenario for every single adapter isn't something that scales really well. And, and so people are definitely looking for some help in this area but they're not expecting the magic button. I think the magic button isn't realistic, but we do want to help customers in here. And I think, you know, as we think about the, the, the BizTalk migration tool moving forward, you know, we want to see how we can just provide the most value to customers. And, and maybe that's more through like just inventory and then pointing them at practical guidance of how you would go about doing so. Uh, mm-hmm. That's, that's something that, that uh, people are looking for. So this, um, is, is in an emerging space. We, we are committed to doing some more work from a migration tooling. Uh, it might look a little bit different than it does today, uh, but mm-hmm. we, we definitely see the need to really help customers in this space. And then 
maybe if there's one more thing I could talk about is uh, the number sort of three need that we had from customers is really just around strategy documentation. And, and sometimes mm. it's more about, you know, those business decision makers and how they can position this upgrade or this, this movement, this transition, you know, within their organization itself, right? So not just about, you know, the technical implementation, which is obviously super important here, but what are the business impacts of this? Like, what as a customer can we expect by moving mm. to the cloud? Can we increase agility? Can we reduce the time to value? How do we sort of position this self, uh, you know, to our organization? Because there are, is some investment that has to be made here. And people want to understand, like, what is like the return on that investment? And, you know, how can they go about thinking about these types of uh, workload movements? Yeah. So that was a very clear explanation from your end uh, regarding to what I spoke right now. So uh, I would also like to know, uh, since you spoke about that uh, benefits and other things that Azure integration services carry on. So uh, what would be the gaps between Bistock and Azure integration services? Can you just throw some light on that? For sure. I think, you know, as we talk to customers, and this probably comes as no surprise to people, but it was a, a good reminder for myself. Like obviously I've been, I've done a lot of BizTalk in the past, not as much recently, but the amount of custom code, I think that is kind of the sort of the biggest challenge today. And I yeah. think there's, that's why there is some angst by customers, you know, in terms of like, how do we deal with this? Because uh, if we think about custom code, like obviously it's, it's kind of something that is necessary uh, in many regards. Like, whenever organizations, companies create iPaaS platforms, obviously you want to have, you know, rich features, rich capabilities out of the box. But the reality is, is that when you're an integration developer, you know, you get that kind of like, you know, you figure it out, just like make sure it works kind of a thing, right? And so when you're in those situations with that project manager and you've got tight timelines and you need sort of an extensibility capability, you're going to look to custom code because that's where you have the most control. So yeah. if we look at BizTalk and, and where you can go ahead and, and use custom code, you can obviously create assemblies. You can call those assemblies from expression shapes. You can also do some level of inline C-sharp in expression shapes. We also have the BizTalk maps, uh, which is very popular place to use the scripting functoid, where once again, you can go ahead and reach out to a custom assembly, um, or you, know, you can do inline code within there as well. We have custom, custom pipeline components, uh, where there's naturally a lot of custom code being written as well. And then we also get a little bit into the BizTalk rules engine and the ability to add custom code to your policies. So that, as you sort of think about these large implementations, there's generally a lot of custom code and you can go ahead and, uh, you know, basically do a lot of things with that custom code. And so I think if we think about AIS and, and where we're currently at, um, you know, custom code, we, we do have support naturally through functions, um, but we've got feedback from customers that, you know, we don't always want to have to do that, where we're going to go ahead and have to provision another service and then have to manage that separately. Obviously, there's a, a time and place for functions, so it, it still might be the right fit in many regards. But if people are wanting to do more, say, inline code or the ability to call this custom code from maps inside of Logic App Standard, I think those would be some of the key areas that we need to address to to make that transition smoother for customers. 
yeah so that's indeed uh, something very important to make the transition very smooth for customers that's that's the key uh, perspective that migration should deal with yeah so uh, having that note so what are the prerequisites or what are the checklists that a particular customer should make while migrating from bistock to azure so these are the things they should be aware of or they should make sure that they already uh, make a decision regarding that what are the prerequisites and checklist kent Yeah, and, and so this is a great point. Uh, and so this is something that we are already working on. So probably by the time this recording comes out, we should have something to share. But um, this is super important. I think this is another ask that customers have is mm-hmm. being able to um, understand, like, how do they go about, you know, uh, basically moving these workloads to the cloud. And, and so what we are is we're putting out a, a BizTalk migration architecture guidance document. And within this, we're going to have a checklist in terms of the things that you should be thinking about. And so, you know, just to name a few, obviously, we talked a little bit about custom code. I think that's super important. And and as a result, I think you want to have some sort of an inventory around these things so that you can plan accordingly. And I think that's where that migration tools, that's kind of how we're going to pivot it and and have it more focused on this. But if we think about, um, you know, custom code is one, uh, web services and API connectivity uh, naturally, inside of uh, BizTalk, you know, you're probably dealing more so with SOAP-based services. You might have some REST services versus Logic Apps where you've got, you know, predominantly REST and, and JSON as, as first-class citizens. I think the um, network connectivity is something that people really need to, to take stock of. So if you think about BizTalk, most likely it's running locally um, in your data center. Maybe you're running it inside Azure, like within a VNet which is more or less acting like it's on-prem in, in many regards. So thinking about that and then thinking about, well, if I go with Logic Apps, you know, and especially standard, we've got some opportunities to connect to VNets that gives you that on-premises feel or the ability to use a private endpoint for other people to access your Logic app. So that's a pretty big consideration. Uh, security and governance is, is something that should not be overlooked. Uh, once again, it's, you know, if we're moving this to the cloud, what are the things we should be doing? So for one, it might be around you're protecting your HTTP triggers and, uh, you know, using something like easy auth, uh, to help sort of add an authentication layer, or maybe it's around using Azure API management to basically proxy those requests into your logic apps as well. Uh, that's a big one. And then I think the, you know, monitoring is, is another huge thing, right? Where it's like, yeah. the, it might be very different between you know how you operate your BizTalk environment versus how you will operate in the cloud. And that's definitely something that uh, you should be considering as well. Yes, yes. So, and then uh, I'd say just in terms of project execution, I think this is pretty important too. And, and this is, and so I think this is where it's important just to, um, to, to go through this as well. And I think, as I mentioned before, probably the number one challenge people have is that knowledge gap. And so in my mind, this is where using more of an iterative approach, I think it would be good for customers. And, you know, I think even taking like a greenfield, like a brand new scenario and rolling out with logic apps first might be advisable before you start moving the BizTalk assets over. And I think the idea behind that is just getting familiar with Azure and basically the governance model and the identity and access control 
and being able to sort of use the IDE and the tools and the deployment and doing something that may not be on the critical path so that you have the time to do it properly. You have the time to go ahead and learn and understand what you're doing. And then once you're comfortable, then increase your velocity, then start to roll these things out faster and faster and faster. I think using a, a big bang approach or a waterfall approach wouldn't be the best idea here um, because learning and learning from uh, like kind of like your lessons learned or, or best practices or something that you're going to develop internally, even beyond what we publish and being able to take advantage of those lessons learned for additional interfaces, I think is, is super important. So I'd be thinking about those things as well. Yeah. So uh, as you rightly mentioned that monitoring is another key part that be it a cloud solution or an on-premise solution, uh, monitoring is definitely an integral part to be noted too. Yeah. So uh, having that in hand, uh, I would like to have a quick uh, roadmap for of Azure integration services for BizTalk customers who are planning for migration. So that would be another push for them to go ahead for migration. Yeah, so at the Integrate a conference uh, that happened just in, in June here, uh, Balin, our uh, product director, gave the keynote. And as part of the keynote, he did have a slide that outlined our investments in this area. Uh, so this is really around like BizTalk migration. What are the investments we need to make as a product group to help BizTalk customers move their workloads? And so what we did is we, we called it out in three buckets. Uh, short-term, medium-term, and longer-term. And so in the shorter-term bucket, let's start there. The areas that we had identified here was content, so patterns of practices. So the, one of those uh, pieces is, is the document I mentioned, uh, really that architectural guidance and giving customers some reference patterns that they can use from that perspective. Then we also discussed .NET framework support. And so and this is all in within the context of, of Logic App Standard. We really are prioritizing Logic App Standard because it is the most enterprise-ready uh, SKU for customers to be using. And so by .NET Framework support, the ability to uh, include assemblies, um, especially in the context of BizTalk Maps, so that you should be able to take your BizTalk Maps and then go ahead and call out to these assemblies as well. Um, and then we'll see how far we can take it. I don't want to go make too many promises in this area, but it kind of goes back to the, uh, the the code, the custom code as being an important pillar here and how do we best support customers. So we will be looking to address as many of those needs as we can. And uh, as we have more de details to share, we'll certainly be doing so. And then lastly, within the short-term bucket, uh, Swift support. Uh, so this is something where customers are looking to support the Swift protocol inside of Azure Logic Apps. Uh, some of this work is underway. Um, and, uh, you know, you should see something, some more info uh, later this year, early next year from that perspective. But this is uh, actively being worked on. Now, um, next up, we've got medium term. And so medium term, uh, meaning like we still need to go ahead and prioritize these investments when we get to our next semester. And uh, so we've got, I guess some of the stuff is underway as well. But like we've got some improvements coming to EDI and integration account enhancements 
And so I think those will be welcome for customers. And then we get into um, areas that will be very important for BizTalk. So native XML support, WCF slash SOAP support. And this goes back to one of the sort of key pain points, I would say, just in terms of, you know, BizTalk, when it was, you know, built, it was, you know, built around like the WCF stack and .NET stack and, and SOAP was kind of the web service, you know, choice of, uh, of flavor of the day. And now we're seeing that there's more JSON and REST, but that doesn't matter. Like if customers need to move those assets up, how do we best support them? So we will make some investments in the areas of XML and SOAP support so that customers can bring those services forward to the cloud. Because what we really want to do here is we want to unblock customers and at least allow them to bring their existing assets forward. And then once they're in AIS, if they do want to modernize their stack, obviously they're welcome to do so. Or maybe it's like when everything, whenever they do something new, then take advantage of REST and JSON. But uh, we know that it's not practical or feasible for people to have to do that as part of the migration. So how do we really then um, unblock the migration and then give people the ability to further invest after the fact? Uh, next up is the BizTalk rules engine support. And so this, the goal here would be for you to take your BizTalk rules engine policies and then have the ability to go ahead and execute them. Uh, we do anticipate that you would still continue to use the BizTalk rules engine composer to go ahead and design your policies, at least at this point in time. And then lastly, within this medium term bucket, uh, we'll have the BizTalk migration tool refresh um, as I mentioned before, we're, we're going to take another look at this to, to see how to best service customers as they move their assets from BizTalk over to Azure. And then lastly, uh, but not least, when we think about longer term investments, really business event tracking. And so obviously inside of BizTalk, you've got BAM, business activity monitoring. This won't necessarily be like a like for like replacement, but from a capability perspective, we want to ensure that customers have the ability to go ahead and instrument business events, be able to track them, and then give some sort of self-service experience in terms of viewing that data itself. Thank you, Kent, for the exciting roadmap that you revealed to us. We are so excited to look on to what uh, Microsoft has got for us in terms of the stock migration to Azure. Yeah. So uh, what would be a quick tip for your uh, BizTalk users who are planning for an Azure migration? Yeah, I think in in this area, the best thing that people can do is, is really play or experiment with Azure Logic App Standard. I think that's probably the, the area that people should be focusing on the most, especially in the interim you know, as we continue to, to make these investments, but we will see these investments land inside of Logic App Standard. So uh, that would be my recommendation is really to go ahead. If you're not familiar with Logic App Standard, get familiar with the feature set. I would also say, go ahead and look at some of the more sort of infrastructure related items like around security and governance and deployment, because those will be super important as you get closer to your migration. So. Uh, and then I guess following that is just really look for um, additional guidance that we will publish. Like I said, it should be out by the time this recording is made available. And I would check that out. And then lastly, if you are interested in, in more you know, info on Logic App Standard, if you want to go ahead and check out my YouTube channel, 
uh, just youtube.com slash Kent Weir. I typically uh, go ahead and discuss these latest features related to standard and there should be some good information there as you get more familiar with those capabilities. That's amazing. That's amazing. So uh, apart from being a uh, tech enthusiast, you are also a great YouTuber. Just now I got to know about that. That's nice to hear. And yeah, uh, thank you for joining us today in this session, Kent. It was an amazing session where you threw a lot of highlights and we are really excited to know about the roadmap as well, That that which gave us a more encouragement, which would eventually turn on the uh, uh, encouragement or the boost the customers who are listening or the uh, listeners who are listening to our show so they might if they are in a plan to move to azure or uh, uh, from bistock to azure then this podcast would be great help for them so thank you thank you for showing uh, us watch the roadmap is and what uh, microsoft has got for us thank you